Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Widespread perceptions see Russia together with China as the rising powers in the Middle East, as a result of America's flip-flops in Syria, and U.S. President Donald Trump's transactional approach towards foreign policy, as well as Russian and Chinese support for regimes irrespective of how non-performing and or repressive they may be. Russia has sought to capitalize in other parts of the world, particularly Africa, on its newly found credibility in the Middle East as part of its projection of itself as a world power on par with the United States and China. African leaders gathered in late October in the Black Sea Resort of Sochi for the first-ever Russian-African summit, chaired by President Vladimir Putin. China has hosted similar regional summits. Mr. Putin has proven adept at playing a weak hand well, and for now, Russia, alongside China, that has the financial and trading muscle that Moscow lacks, are basking in their glory. Yet, Russia and China could find themselves in tricky situations with protests across the globe, from Latin America to Hong Kong, threatening to put the two powers on the wrong side of history. Iran, Russia's partner in supporting Syrian President Bashar al-Assad and a strategic node in China's Belt and Road Initiative, is already struggling to come to grips with being in the bull's eye of protesters. Protesters in Iraq have denounced Iranian influence in the country, while Iran's Lebanese Shiite ally, Hezbollah, is part of the elite that protesters hold responsible for their country's economic malaise. Russia and China are well aware of the risk, not only because of the resilience of protest in Hong Kong, but also because of past popular revolts in former Soviet republics that constitute Russia's soft underbelly and in some cases border on the strategically important but troubled Chinese northwestern province of Xinjiang. Recent protests in Kazakhstan were as much about domestic governance issues as they were about Chinese influence in the country and the crackdown on Turkic Muslims, including ethnic Kazakhs in Xinjiang. Central Asia, moreover, is potentially for China a black swan. It is, together with Southeast Asian nations, Laos and Cambodia, home to countries most indebted to China. A recent study by scholars at Harvard University's Kennedy School, the University of Munich, and the Kiel Institute for the World Economy concluded that about half of Chinese overseas lending remains unrecorded, leaving Central Asian and other nations with no precise oversight of their debt. These hidden overseas debts pose serious challenges for, countries, for country risk analysis and bond pricing, the study warned. The risk of ending up on the wrong side of history looms even larger, with Russia seeing prevention and or countering of popular revolts as one of its main goals in attempting to stabilize the Middle East, a region racked by conflict and wars. Russia, 
as part of its stabilization effort in the wake of its intervention in Syria, has proposed replacing the U.S. defense umbrella in the Gulf with a multilateral security arrangement. Russia is seeking stability, which includes preventing color revolutions, said Maxim Grigoriev, director of the Moscow-based Foundation for the Study of Democracy, using the term employed to describe popular revolts in countries that once were part of the Soviet Union. Echoing Kremlin policy, Mr. Grigoriev said, Syria was a model of stabilizing a regime and countering terrorism. Russian military intervention in Syria has helped Mr. al-Assad gain the upper hand in a more than eight-year-long brutal war in which the Syrian government has been accused of committing crimes against humanity. Russia has denied allegations that its air force has repeatedly targeted hospitals and other civil institutions. Russia's definition of stability, with Syria as its model, is unlikely to go down well with youth-driven protests that have already affected 12 of the Arab League's 22 members. In some of the most dramatic incidents, this year's popular revolts forced the leaders of Algeria, Sudan, and Lebanon to resign. Iraqi Prime Minister Adel Abdul Mahdi is next in line. Latin America and Africa, like the Middle East and Central Asia, home to often poorly governed resource-rich countries with youthful populations, are in many ways not that different. Some Latin American leaders, including Argentine Foreign Minister Jorge Fori and Luis Almagro, the Secretary General of the Organization of American States, have denounced what they see as interference in protests in Chile, Ecuador, Bolivia, and Haiti by two Russia and China-backed countries, Venezuela and Cuba. Ecuador's Interior Minister Maria Paula Romo said last month that authorities had arrested 17 people at an airport, most of them Venezuelans, carrying information about the protests. Policy analyst Moises Naim and Brian Winter argued that irrespective of whether Venezuela and Cuba have sought to exploit continental discontent, Latin America was already primed to combust. Messieurs Naim and Winter attribute popular anger to disappointing economic growth, stagnating wages, rising costs of living, mounting inequality, and corruption on the back of a commodity boom that significantly raised expectations. Russian and Chinese support for embattled regimes at the risk of alienating protesters who have proven in among others, Chile, Iraq, and Hong Kong, undeterred by repressive efforts to squash their pro protests, will have paid off if it helps engineer the kind of stability Mr. Grigoriev is advocating. Russian and Chinese leaders may be banking on a development akin to what Messieurs Moises and Winter describe as the emergence of repressive Latin American regimes in the 1970s and 1980s as a result of leaders' failure to tackle slowing economic growth. The failure fueled a decline of faith in democracy and the rise of populists. The same gears may churn towards mayhem and division, sown from within Latin American countries and without, 
Venezuela and Cuba may not be the main reason for the current protests. But if the region continues down its current path, it will be vulnerable to the next conspiracy, whether from Havana, Caracas, or somewhere else, Messrs. Moises and Winter warned. Events elsewhere in the world may well unfold differently, yet Russia and China could ultimately find themselves on the wrong side of history in an era of global breakdown of popular confidence in political systems and incumbent leadership, and increasingly uncompromising, determined, and resourceful protests. Said Timothy Kaldas, a senior fellow at the Tahir Institute for Middle East Policy, commenting on the protests in the Middle East, this isn't a revolution against a prime minister or a president. It is an uprising demanding the departure of the entire ruling class, the very people Russia and China would like to see remain in place. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.